Hello everyone, my name's Dan from Solo Press, and this is our second podcast, and it's part of our 12 Guides of Christmas Marketing Guide. And what we're talking about today is Christmas marketing strategies for B2C businesses. And I'm joined here by two people who are experts in marketing. We've got Danny. Hi, Dan. Danny's got the same name as me, and also James. Hi, Dan. Who doesn't have the same name as me. So uh, if you just want to give us a bit of background about your histories... Yeah, sure. I mean, I started uh, working for a retailer with no plans to move into marketing. Uh, I ended up moving to their head office to do customer service and answer the phones. And then a vacancy came up in the marketing department. So uh, I ended up working for the best part of 10 years um, in brand design and display. um, And that involved um, getting POS to print, getting window posters to print, um, getting them designed um, and installed. Um, and it was while I was there that I started gravitating towards um, copywriting. Um, after that, I worked for a manufacturing company for a little while, and I worked for a marketing agency um, for a while, working for a whole bunch of different clients um, doing copywriting. And now, uh, full circle, I'm at a print company. Print always seems to have been part of my career, uh, and now I'm back doing copywriting for a print company. Nice. And what about you, James? Yeah, much like Danny, I also didn't really start out intending to do marketing. I sort of fell into it after studying film production with technology. Um, I got managed to land a, a really exciting role working with Microsoft and the Xbox 360. Um, and sort of really my career in marketing was uh, launched from there on. Um, since then, I've worked for a number of different companies, working in different channels, everything from um, in-store POS executions and print to um, you know advertising in publications online on TV, radio, um, telecommunications. So you name it, I've had a touch at some point, um, which is what brings me here to Solo Press to uh, do the same for us here. So very exciting times. Awesome. Right, so we're going to have four major um, sections to this podcast. We'll be talking about how to attract customers, how to look after them, um, driving up the average transaction value, and finally, we'll be looking to retain those customers. So firstly, what are ways that businesses can attract their audience's attention in the run-up to Christmas? Well, firstly, I think you've got to recognise the challenges there. I mean, everybody wants everyone's attention at Christmas, um, retailers and service providers in particular everyone's clamoring for your attention everyone's shouting there's a lot of noise out there um you've got to be different but i think you have got to join in you can't um you can't take a step back uh, certainly the people that we surveyed were very keen to see uh, the businesses that they use making the effort at christmas 69% of people that we surveyed said they look forward to seeing Christmas displays in shops and businesses. Um, and in terms of uh, hospitality, 77% of people like to see decoration and special Christmas menus in restaurants and cafes around Christmas time. Um, so there is a real appetite to see Christmassy stuff, to have that um, atmosphere around town when you go out. So, um, yeah, if you are somewhere that welcomes visitors, uh, customers, on site, uh, you've got to be making the effort. But there's a lot of noise out there and you've got to um, try and put your own stamp on it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, nowadays, with all the different marketing messages that people are seeing from everywhere, from social media to just walking down the street, we get bombarded between four to 10,000 messages every day. And that's just on a regular day. When the season of like Christmas comes up, this is where many businesses do 80% of their revenue take home for a whole year. So the messages really 
do ramp up and they really do bombard you with the, with those sort of messages. So the key is to really try and cut through that noise um, to understand who your customers are and what will really resonate with them most. It's not just talking about your products and services and what's, what unique selling points and features they have, but actually understanding what sort of needs they fulfill in, in a customer. It, it might just be, you know, it brings them happiness or joy as a child, but it might be many more things than that. And you have to really try and find a way that your message can help to solve whatever solution or whatever problem a customer has um, by being that ultimate product for that, that job. And as everyone knows, there's always a lot of competition over Christmas since every single, uh, well, it'll be, you'll be hard-pressed to find a shop on the high street that doesn't have a big Christmas display at the front. Um, most people will be attracted to the ones that do it well, so the ones that really, really go full out, and you'll find a lot of retailers do that. Um, but because they all clamour to get the attention from uh, from the public, it can be difficult to kind of stand out. But what are good ways that you could stand out? Because in the sea of red and white that is very prevalent over Christmas due to the inherent colour scheme, are there ways that you can stand out? Um, for me, I think there's, there's two things. We did actually ask our survey respondents about how they like to be communicated to around Christmas. And um, by far the strongest response we got was that people like to be um, entertained, really. Um, and that was far, far higher than... I think one of the lowest responses we got was for price messages. So people want to see something interesting, funny, entertaining. And that's really where you can bring your brand into it. Um, try and think what you can do that other brands can't, that's that's unique to you. Um, so that's certainly one strong thing. And I think a, a, another very basic fundamental thing to bear in mind is that, yes, there is, as Dan said, all this uh, competition and clamour and noise. And don't compete with yourself. You need to be very, very consistent. So, um, you know, you probably meet the customer through various uh, platforms. You probably have a website. You have a shop front. You have um, staff who interact with your customers. There should be a thread that runs through all those things. There should be a consistency uh, in terms of the tone of voice, the language, the visual language, the design. If you get all those things in a row, make sure that they're, they're, they're all kind of looking and sounding the same, then you won't have a, a confused uh, offering over Christmas. And, and you, you, you make it easier for the customer to follow that thread from their first contact, might be online, through to their final transaction, probably at the till. Um, and just make that journey as easy as you can. Um, so just keeping that, that thread in place, that consistency that uh, that carries on throughout the customer journey. Colour schemes and visual styles over Christmas can be very, very important because if you have a very bland blend-in colour scheme with nothing to differentiate yourself, then your business is basically just going to blend in. Companies like John Lewis noticed this and they kind of have their own colour scheme over most Christmases where they've where they've gone for more of a muted colour palette or darker colour palette which is less in tone with the traditional bright red and white. That being said, wasn't Coca-Cola the initial reason why Christmas is red and white? Uh, yes Dan, you're right. Back in the 1930s uh, Coca-Cola commissioned a artist called Hayden uh, Bloombaum I believe it was yep. and he basically was commissioned to create a series of artworks with depicting Santa in their colours which is where we get many of the iconic Christmas 
um, images of today and it seems to have just permeated its way into our modern day culture which originated all back from those images back in the 1930s. No. In a hundred years we might all be doing muted colour schemes like John Lewis, although mm. I don't think they have the same amount of um, influence as Coca-Cola. You, you just never know. Mm. Well having said that, I mean they're, they're both um, huge brands and big brands can do these things, they can, they can deviate. I was looking at the uh, Boots Christmas gift guide um, the other day and the cover basically has their B and half the O on it and then that's the word mark chopped off about a quarter of the way through. And yet you know exactly what that is because yeah. it's a huge, very well-established brand. Um, but you need to know where you are in that journey. You, you may not be a brand at that level. I'm sure that uh, Boots, Coca-Cola and John Lewis are, are listening into the podcast for tips. But I'm sure that many other people maybe yeah. aren't quite there with their... Listening to Elon Musk. Yeah. This yeah, is how you do a brand. <laughs> they're, they're all listening. Yeah, they're, they're all hanging on every word. It's probably worth figuring out where you can follow convention where you can deviate from it and where you can make it your own and make it consistent with what you do um, during the rest of the year other things like um, holding events over Christmas so even even down to the things like for example uh, Christmas grottos I know that we've got a shopping centre uh, a few miles away that does Christmas grottos as a large event for their um, for the whole centre every single year and that gets a lot of drive and makes the makes the centre feel like somewhere to go at Christmas but other events like Christmas light switch-ons or Christmas parades they can be a fantastic opportunity to uh, to achieve some brand lift and brand recognition and get some new business in because it's, you know, it's the place where there's a lot of foot traffic. And if you've got a shop that's next to one of these parades or uh, like switch-ons, then once it's over, a lot of people will probably just go in, grab grab something from your shop, just maybe if it's a snack or if it's like a small present. If you've advertised well and you've made your shop look Christmassy, then everyone's in that kind of mood already. Yeah, absolutely. It's something I see where I live. Um, there's a parade that goes along the Broadway, and um, a lot of the stores along that um, along that main drag will open up. And it's not necessarily people who are, are selling something there and then. It might be an estate agent or a solicitors. They just throw the doors open, offer you a mince pie, maybe a glass of wine. Um, but you might go away with a, a leaflet. You might go away with uh, a business card, and just the general feeling for the place. And and you know you've you've met those people then and. I think that that bodes well for when you do maybe require those services. Those are the names that are going to come to mind and places you might revisit. Yeah, I mean, as a kid and when I was growing up, actually, my father was um, worked in a car dealership, and uh, every Christmas, the high street well, with which the dealership was based had a Christmas evening, and they would always host the Santa's Grotto. I mean, they would have a lot of footfall. They get a lot of presents away to kids. Um, it was a real like, hub of the high street, so they became a real part of the integrated community. And yeah, they may not have necessarily been all the kids there buying cars, but their parents would certainly have come back at a later date and made purchases. So it's not just a point of making instant purchases straight away, but also building that customer awareness, building that relationship with your uh, local community, and actually you know fostering people to come back and purchase from you. Um, actually, when we... Um as people in our survey, 57% of people said that they had attended a promotional event uh, around Christmas held by a business. Um, so these are, are widely attended popular events. And it's not just the events based around Christmas. There's other, other events that you could capitalise off of as well, like Black Friday, for example. 
Yeah, certainly with Black Friday, I think it's something that's grown uh, year on year. It's come over from the States um, and, and now it's established itself uh, in the UK to the point where it's expected um, that you offer some kind of discount on that day. 41% of people that we surveyed uh, agreed that Black Friday was a significant opportunity to grab a bargain. Um, that's lower yeah, than I expected, Yeah, there's a couple of ways to take that stat, really, I think. Um, I think there is still a little bit of resistance to it as an Americanism, possibly, or something that is seen as a bit of a bun fight uh, that they don't necessarily want to go to. But that 41% is not to be sniffed at. I mean, it's, it's, it's nearly half of um, your potential audience out there um, are looking to grab a bargain on that day. And as I say, I think it's just becoming expected that you do uh, participate in it, especially if you're a high street retailer. Now there's other things as uh, as well, like Cyber Monday, or people will start Black Friday a day early, or they'll start Black Friday a week early and just have it for the whole week. But these kinds of things are very, very difficult to gauge because you've got, on the plus side, a platform that's based on an event that can actually get a lot of sales and a lot of interest from potential buyers. But you've also got to make sure that you don't hemorrhage your profits in the process, because obviously if you've bought stock and you have to compete with other businesses that are selling that stock for cheaper than you are, if you do end up selling that stock for cheaper than you bought it for, then it's not worth doing. Yeah, I think there's a place um, for, for loss leading products. I, I think it's a ver- it's going to be the, a very, very small share of, uh, of most companies offering. I think um, you might want to pick just one or two um, very desirable products, um, mark them down, mark them down in, in low quantities. Um, that'll build a crowd and get people through the door. Um, and then you can piggyback off that with additional sales. Mm. But um, yeah, we're not talking about totally cannibalizing your margin um, across uh, the entirety of your range because you know that really is going to damage you. Um, and also, um, the dates of these things, you wonder whether, you know, will people save up their spending um, for Black Friday? Will they wait until that point to start spending? And I think that's why um, not only does it come quite early in the Christmas shopping calendar, but that's why, as Dan says, um, it started to creep forward. People started to make it into a week. Um, even with Cyber Monday, we've seen that become Sofa Sunday, where um, I think online retailers are expecting people to start browsing for those Cyber Monday deals on the Sunday so they start to offer them on the Sunday to steal a march on competitors Yeah, and really it's kind of that one-upmanship that, that allows these events to sort of creep forward in the calendar. So we've talked about um, standing out in this noisy environment so what we want to think about now is how to look after those customers now that they're in the storm so there's special considerations you need to give to uh, customers who may be unfamiliar with your store so the old lady walks in wants to buy a son an ipad what are the things that we can do to uh to make this process easier for those customers well navigational signage um is going to be a good idea you need to be able to direct people around your store i mean especially if they're uh, unfamiliar with it as you say they're not your regular customer they're here buying a gift for someone else so it's it's not the product that they're familiar with it's not the store the environment that they're familiar with you could also offer the customer gift guides so they can come in and see the gifts and then talk to store staff it's always good to have a seasonal selection of top quality items so if somebody does come into your store and they're not familiar with the environment they could have 
catalogs and gift guides um, at the at the entrances so they can quickly find what they want and then talk to talk to the store staff about where to possibly locate them if there isn't a corresponding point of sale or notifications and good store staff over christmas is especially uh, important because keeping uh, people happy over Christmas is a very difficult thing, um, as most as most of you will know. If you've ever gone uh, shopping at Christmas, you'll know that it's quite a stressful uh, stressful time. And you're, as an example, going to Tesco looking for a turkey, and they're all gone. So what do you do? You go find to another shop, and a customer might walk in, might be a bit stressed out, um, but you've still got to give your best customer service because you don't know what that customer's been through on that day. Yeah, and I think that's made even more challenging at a time when you might have to bring on um, extra seasonal staff who aren't as experienced as your usual staff. So you need to um, create a supportive environment and train them well. But you can go a long way with um, navigational signage and also not just really showing people around your store or uh, environment, but um, when other things change around Christmas, when you have new opening hours, when you have an amended returns policy maybe, these are all things that need to be um, communicated to customers. Um, and especially with those kind of messages, the, the clearer the better. Um, you're going to do your uh, staff a great favour by making a returns policy um, very evident um, so that they you know, if you've got it printed on the back of a receipt, it's, it might seem a little bit underhanded. But you know, if you've got a, a nice clear um, poster or um, piece of signage behind your counter, um, you know, it's it's nice to keep these things really uh, open and allow your staff at the till to have something to uh, refer to uh, when they're dealing with customers. And going back to uh, things like the Christmas guides and the booklets, mm. did we have some stats on how many people found those useful? Yeah, well, actually, um, it was 67% of people said that they had made a purchase on the back of um, something that they'd seen in the gift guide, which I think that's a really telling um, stat because that's that's two-thirds of people have read a gift guide, seen a product, and bought it. Uh, I think that really brings home how important it is to um, produce these things. You know, someone didn't know what they were going to buy, or well, two-thirds of people didn't know what they were going to buy. They had a look, and then they purchased from you because of your gift guide. Um, and I think that's why they've become such a big deal, I think, especially among the sort of uh, big marquee retailers on the high street. The release of their gift guide is almost like an event nowadays. Um, uh, Argos made a, a real event of their Book of Dreams. Um, they advertised it um, outdoor, online, um, on TV I've seen it. Um, they established its own url they they published um on that website a lot of um retro catalogs in fact every catalog since the mid 70s that you can actually leaf through every page of um and just go into a sort of nostalgia overload um looking back at the the toys that you may have experienced as a child I mean, we'll probably have mentioned that on the blog somewhere the URL um, for that website. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I mean, we, the, we've um, we, we, we've spoken a lot about um, gift, well, we have a specific gift guide blog um, where we went through um, a whole bunch of uh, you know those leading retail brands and, and what they've managed. Um, one of them that really struck me as well was the Boots one, where um, the front cover of that gift guide is basically just their B and half the O. It's like about a third, a quarter of their word mark just chopped off, but you know exactly what it is because it's uh, such a huge brand. Um, and um, yeah, these big brands, they invest a lot of money um, in these gift guides because they know that they work. And, and I think our survey results have borne that out. The next one is 
driving up the average transaction value. So speaking of that, what strategies can help to increase spending at the till? So things like um, like add-ons or companion products. Yeah, it's really important to focus on that whilst you've got that footfall going on over Christmas. You know, you've got more people going through your store or site than you probably do at any other time during the year. So if they're going to make a uh, make a purchase, make a transaction, how do you absolutely maximise that opportunity and get as much as you can out of them? Um, well, cross-selling and upselling uh, really are, are the ways that, that uh, retailers go about this. And really from the people that we spoke to during our survey, um, a lot of people quite like it. 67% of people confirmed that they had taken advantage of uh, add-on items offered to them at Tills. Um, 73% of people were happy to be reminded of companion products, uh, like batteries for a toy uh, when they're at the till. Um, So yeah, it's worth thinking about your product, thinking about companion products, um, and putting some kind of deal in place. You know, it could be um, get X for £2 when you spend over £10, or buy a certain product and get an discount on this related product. Um, there are various mechanics you can look at um, that will just help bring that transaction value up a little bit every time a customer visits the till. And just quickly, are there any definite pitfalls of uh, upselling and cross-selling? Yeah, we did actually put it to the people that we surveyed whether there any aspects of uh, cross-selling and upselling that they found turn them away a little bit. Um, Things like um, an add-on item being higher in value than their original purchase, 55% of people um, weren't keen on that. Um, If the add-on item is completely unrelated to the purchase that you were making in the first place, 71% of people weren't keen on that. Um, When it was low quality, 65% didn't like it. Um, And really, when you talk about cross-selling and upselling, it's hard to avoid the classic example, which is, do you want fries with that? Um, so we asked our uh, survey respondents um, whether having an item that's not necessarily health aware, whether that put them off. And to be honest, it didn't much. Only only a quarter of people um, were put off by things like chocolate and fries um, being added to them in addition to what they were purchasing in the first place. Um, and 56% of people weren't keen on it delaying the transaction, so they felt that their time was possibly being wasted. So this will be things like, for example, uh, just going back to um, earlier, when you've got a loyalty uh, scheme or like a like a stamp scheme, because they take time to set up, they don't just like give you a stamp and then that's done. They've got to like most of the time take down your details, got to take down some information from you, uh, and then they'll go, yeah, we'll, we'll send you a card in the next two to three days or something like that. And then it just takes a little bit too long, and you've got customers behind those people yeah. being like yeah, yeah there's a real balance to be struck at Christmas because you do have that extra footfall um, yeah. you have more people going through there's a temptation obviously to tie them in and if you can do that um, quickly without sacrificing the service that you offer to other customers without um, forming huge queues at the till while you sign somebody up uh, then that's fine You know, if you could give someone something to take away with them or an opportunity to join up online it's not ideal because you want to tie them in there and then. Um, but as I say, it's a balance to strike. And finally, we'll be moving on to how to retain your customers. So we've now got the attention of them. Um, what's the best way that we can keep them as a customer through the new year? Oh, yeah, exactly. Over Christmas, um, you've probably got more people passing through your door than at any other time of year. Um, and also, you might be uh, a business in a market that experiences a lull after Christmas. So there's 
there's two things to address there. You know, how do you keep those customers that maybe haven't come before? How do you turn them into regulars? And also, how do you iron out that seasonality? How do you make sure that you're still turning over decent amounts uh, if you've got a slow period coming up in the new year? Um, certainly, a retailer that I used to work for offered a voucher booklet um, uh, with Christmas transactions. So um, during November, December, uh, if you spent um, a certain amount in your transaction, you'd be given this uh, voucher booklet and that would have a book of coupons in it for use typically between Christmas and Easter. So you couldn't come back and Christmas shop with them, but after Christmas, you could then use them. Um, so that would keep you coming back to the store after Christmas when things are a little bit uh, slower, a little bit more lean. Um, and the customer gets a discount, so that's you know it's a popular popular one all round really. Um, loyalty schemes is a bit of a mixed one. I mean, you might want to try and uh, capitalise on that huge boost in footfall you're getting over Christmas. You want want to grab those people and and sign them up. There might be difficulties there uh, when it comes to signing them up at the till. If you've got queues of customers waiting, you want to get that money through the till. No one likes a slow. Uh, till worker <laughs> well no and, and if you've you know if you've impl- implemented some kind of policy where you're asking um, your till staff to uh, sign up as many um, customers to loyalty as possible and then they've then got a conflicting agenda there of you know do they get through the queue do they get the money in the till or do they sign up um, person to the loyalty scheme um, so you know if you do have a lengthy sign up process you know it might even be worth, worth putting on hold counterintuitively um, if you just need to um, need to keep the tills ringing um, but um, conversely gathering an email address doesn't take long um, and really signing people up uh, to be uh, subscribers to your email campaigns um, can really pay off in the new year you've also got the added benefit of being able to capture people's email addresses over the period if you have like a sign up in store or in your website try and capture as many people's emails as possible so then, and ask them to opt in to some marketing materials and then you can campaign to them into the new year and really try and give them something that uh, gives them purpose to come back don't just bombard them with sales messages actually try and give them something of value in your emails as well so that really helps them to sort of value you as a business rather than just feel like they're being bombarded with marketing messages Mm -hmm. main thing about retaining the customers um, that come to your store would be about the service that you receive if you receive exceptional service, then you're likely to come back, and I think this is true in a lot of a lot of uh, areas of hospitality, especially, um, but also retail, and it's something that's the Americans I think do very very well. I think the Americans have got an exceptionally high standard of customer service. Um, it varies a lot in the UK. Um, there are some notable exceptions to this. I think there's places like theme parks they have to have at all times a really really high um, level of customer service Um, over Christmas places like theme parks do a lot of um, things like Christmas grottos I know we've got one locally that does a Christmas grotto but they're really really bound on the customer service that they give and I think if they well, I actually know if they weren't as friendly and as as welcoming and give as good service as they do, then they wouldn't be anywhere near as successful. Yeah, I, certainly. I think that service is a marketing tool, and it's part of your brand. Um, you know, the brand goes a long way beyond um, your logo. It's every 
um, possible way you express who you are to anyone that's listening. And service is a huge part of that. You know, if you go to Waitrose and they're always nice to you, that's because that's part of Waitrose brand. Um, and at the end of the day, um, if you make people feel good about themselves, they'll just want to repeat that um, experience. And if repeating that experience means coming back to you and you've retained a customer, then you know everyone wins in that situation. So past Christmas, there will need to be uh, some changes back to um, to your branding. So obviously you need to pull all the Christmas stuff down. But the main dates beyond Christmas that need our attention would be uh, st- for for a start, and this would be one of the uh, the less important ones: um, Chinese New Year. Ah, but is it though? Um, I, I, it's actually it's it's um it's dangerous to underestimate the the impact of that and i'm not necessarily talking about that as a marketing opportunity um for the chinese community in the uk but uh, more in terms of your supply chain you know if you're um receiving goods manufactured uh, in china um it's a big holiday i think it's around 3 weeks um it can affect um your supply um companies can stop taking orders uh, at certain points so it's certainly one um, that's worth bearing in mind you know if, especially if you're uh, a reseller of uh, chinese manufacturer products um yeah well i mean there's there's a whole bunch of these um and it obviously it depends um on what you sell whether that's going to be an opportunity for you or not um uh your january sales you know potentially going to be uh, a, a big focus for you um and you know if you if you are a retailer of uh, sort of gifting products you know you've got um valentine's day coming up um then that's february then march is mother's day and then you're on to easter so um, really these things um do just sort of come one after another so uh, it's always worth having an eye on the horizon so that concludes our christmas marketing strategies for b2c businesses podcast uh, my name's dan and i've been here with danny and james bye thank you thank you very much for listening until next time farewell <laughs>